0: This podcast contains graphic or mature material. Depictions of murder, violence, and graphic images are discussed in detail during this podcast and could be triggering to some. Listener discretion is advised.
1: Welcome back. We are the Cold Case Crew, a group of friends that have taken it upon themselves to investigate some of the oldest cold cases from the Mountain State. My name is Whitney. It's
0: Ashley. And I'm Beth.
1: Tonight, we present the third and final episode in our Capital Crimes Return series, The 1991 Disappearance of Bobby Eugene Adams, or as many locals have remembered it, The Missing Cab Driver. There are a lot of factors that seem to have stymied this investigation over the years and not a lot of information that's been given to the public. But as we have done in the past and will continue to do moving forward, we will present the most concise and up-to-date information available. West Virginia locals pay close attention to the details that follow. Perhaps you hold that one piece of information that could bring Bobby Adams home. But before we dive into the meat and potatoes of the story, let's set the scene. The year was 1991, and the holiday season was slowly creeping up on the citizens of Charleston, West Virginia. Thanksgiving had just passed, and shoppers were coming down from the high of Black Friday. The population of Charleston sat at 57,614, the start of a slow decline in population that has happened upon the region in years that followed. Perhaps in the days leading up to his demise, Bobby, like others, participated in some holiday shopping. Maybe he drove families to and from the airport as they made their way in and out of town. Whatever the case, for this West Virginia family, the holidays would never be the same.
0: It's so sad when something like that happens at the holidays. Because the then you can never enjoy that holiday again.
1: Bobby Eugene Adams was born to Francis Eleanor Adams and Robert Clark of Charleston, West Virginia on September third, nineteen sixty. While his childhood remained shrouded in mystery, it is known that Adams did in fact have a wife and a young son at the time of his disappearance. Though, for the sake of continuity, I do want to clarify that while there have been specific references to a young son in articles I have read, there has also been mention of children, so he may have had more than one child. He also served in the Army. Despite living in Huntington, Adams worked frequently in Charleston and Canala County and was known to have family that lived in the area still, specifically his mother and several siblings. Saturday, November 30th, 1991, began like any other day for 31-year-old Bobby. While the world continued on celebrating and enjoying the festivities of the Thanksgiving holiday, which had passed on Thursday prior and Black Friday, Bobby Adams continued his usual daily grind. As a cab driver for CNH Taxi, it would be easy to presume that business would be booming at this time of year, busy with traveling families and a flurry of shoppers and everyday customers. On this particular day, Bobby picked up his taxi cab to start his shift at 4 p.m., adorned in a blue windbreaker, tan dress pants, and black shoes. This shift, which would run until 3 a.m., was referred to as the graveyard shift, and was one that Bobby often drove. He had been at his job for a year and a half now, and despite the obvious dangers that accompany the trade, seemingly enjoyed his job. His father, Robert Clark, also drove for C&H taxi as well. It is known that prior to his disappearance, Bobby had completed a series of fares that caused him to travel up to New York and New Jersey. He was getting paid, and one can assume if you've ever taken a taxi before, he was getting paid rather well to complete these fares. It is unknown who he was driving or why he would be traveling so far, and records from CNH do not indicate any of this information. Another fact that is well known among taxi communications is that cabbies, at least at this point in time in 1991, would often go hours without communicating with dispatch, which could easily explain the gaps in Bobby's timeline from his fares on the evening of November 30th, as well as perhaps the lack of information regarding these lengthy multi-state fares. This phenomenon is referred to as going silent among dispatchers. On the evening of his disappearance, CNH's last communication with Bobby came at around 11.45 p.m. However, the last known sighting of Bobby was around 3.45 a.m. on Washington Street East, along with Adams in the vehicle, was a Caucasian male around 40 years old. The man had blonde or light brown hair and stood around 6 feet tall, a stark contrast to Bobby's 5 feet and 110 pounds. The unknown passenger was noted to have been wearing a brown jacket. It is unknown whether or not this passenger was a friend or a affair, but he has been identified as the last known associate of Bobby's on the evening of his disappearance. It is important to remember, Bobby's shift was set to end at 3 a.m and this sighting was made 45 minutes from the time Bobby was set to deposit the vehicle back at CNH headquarters. It has also been noted from Bobby's employers that dropping the vehicle off late was not out of character for Adams, which logically makes sense. If one was finishing a fare that took longer, or if one was running from a location further out of town, it would make sense that the vehicle would not always be promptly returned at 3 a.m., So how did dispatch keep track of them? Did they have CBs? Yeah, I believe so. When Bobby failed to return the cab the next morning, the family was contacted and Bobby and the taxi were ultimately reported missing to the Charleston Police Department by representatives from CNH. Authorities at the time claimed to have been familiar with Adams, but did not release or elaborate further on details other than remarking that he hasn't been arrested recently, at least not by us. Search efforts led to the discovery of Bobby's abandoned taxi cab off Twilight Drive in Charleston in the evening hours of December 1st, 1991. Though it has been expanded in the years since 1991, Twilight Drive at this point in time was a dead-end road which was set off Barlow Drive, south of Charleston's Jaeger Airport. It was secluded and was a known lover's lane at the time, and not the safest part of town. For any non-locals, this is not far from the last known sighting of Bobby and his mysterious companion. The vehicle was said to have been discarded over a hill 70 feet from the road and partially concealed with branches. It had sustained a number of scratches and a broken headlight in the process. Within the confines of the discarded taxi, law enforcement discovered a large amount of blood that had pooled in the back seat floorboard. The vehicle was taken into police custody where the following observations were made. One, no guns or casings were obtained from the vehicle, as well as any weaponry. Two, the blood found had not been splattered around the vehicle or the backseat. Instead, it remained pooled in one area, a pattern that is not consistent with the struggle, no thrashing around or trying to fight off an attacker. There was enough blood present in the vehicle to assume that death had occurred. According to a statement given by Sergeant Bobby Eggleston to the State Journal, people don't lose that much blood and survive. One thing was almost certain, either Bobby Adams or his unknown companion were dead. It's weird
2: how the blood just pulled in one spot. And it's also weird
0: that nobody knows who was in the car with him, and nobody can figure that out. Of course, this was probably early DNA.
1: 1991, yeah, because it came into play in the late 80s. Yeah,
0: very early DNA. So I just wonder if there was ever any testing on that.
1: And again, like I've said, there's not a ton of information on this case. Everything that they have is very, very close to the vest. Hasn't been released. I mean, we submitted a FOIA request and were denied.
0: Because it's still open. Because
1: it's still open. There are a couple things that pop out to me just with the whole thing, but we'll talk more about that in commentary. Following the discovery of the taxi, law enforcement increased their efforts to locate Bobby. CNH Taxi were extremely cooperative in the investigation, handing over all logs of Adam's most recent fares. Police employed the use of canine search dogs in their efforts to recover evidence and even brought a boat crew to drag the Elk River. Helicopter crews were also brought on to fly over the area, but despite their best efforts, the only evidence generated from the search came from an area near the bottom of Twilight Drive. What was found, however, has remained close to the vest. I mean, so nobody
0: even knows? It's never been released. Do we know that it was not a body,
1: though? He's considered a missing person, so I would say it's not a body.
0: So it was not the passenger either?
1: No, because they still have said they don't know whether it was Bobby or the passenger that died, but that there was enough blood to assume a death had occurred. Though authorities initially put out a regional alert in Virginia, Kentucky, Pennsylvania, and Ohio regarding information about Adams, they later opened their inquiry up nationwide. A series of tips were called in by an unknown female informant. However, despite pleas by law enforcement, the woman never called back or reappeared. Shortly after the recovery of the taxi, law enforcement sent a sample of blood from the taxi off for analysis. It is unknown if more advanced testing has since taken place. It was confirmed at this time that the blood type recovered was type O, the same type as Bobby Adams. It was also noted, though, that 40% of the population has type O blood. Right. Right. There have been a number of theories about the disappearance over the years. It has even been suggested that Bobby's fate could have been the outcome of a drug deal gone sour. Suggestions that his remains could be discovered hidden in a nearby dump or on the property of a local elementary school have all been explored as well. It is known that multiple subsequent reports have placed Bobby on McCorkle Street in the late evening, early morning hours of December 1st, 1991. Irregardless, the fact remains, 31 years have gone by without a trace of Bobby Adams. So that's all I've got. Let's uh, go ahead and open this up for commentary, the part of the podcast where we volley around ideas and dig deeper into the victimology of Bobby Adams. All right, Ashley will be moderating our questions for this case. So without any further ado, dive right on in Ash. All right, ladies, means, motive, and opportunity. What do you think they were? And do you
2: believe there was more than one person in the murder? Do we believe any one person has both the means and the opportunity to commit the offense?
0: I feel like it's hard to even get a means, a motive, or an opportunity. I mean, maybe opportunity, maybe he was in a certain area. I don't know. Or maybe the person in the back seat had some type of mob ties or had some type of deal going on, and, and Bobby was just in the wrong place. The wrong, I don't know. That's like, what I was thinking after... Wrong place, wrong time? Yeah. No,
2: that something was going wrong, where he was taking the trips up to New York all the time. I mean, that right there says drug deal to me, or, you know,
1: something in that...
0: Oh, absolutely.
2: That is
1: exactly where my brain went. Yeah. When you said
0: the Mm -hmm. trips to New York, that's where my brain went.
2: And I mean, if you're part of the mob or whatever, I mean, all you have to do is be told what to do.
1: So you've got that. Plus you have the comment from the Charleston police officer that said, you know, he hasn't been arrested lately, at least not by us. So he definitely has had run-ins with the law in the past. I would assume where he's driving a taxi cab, it wasn't drinking and driving. Because he wouldn't have a license. So what could it be?
0: Maybe he had some drug issues or he was selling drugs to make more money. He was a mule. Yeah, he was a mule, bringing them back and forth in his cab. And what if
2: the thing that the police found was like a threatening note or or something like that, you know, like drop this or coming after you next?
0: Yeah, I'm not sure. Well, you know, and a lot of, sort of hesitant to say this, but I'm going to say it, in the early 90s, late 80s, early 90s, there were a lot of bad cops out there, especially when it came to drugs. And not, I don't know anybody personally, but I just remember, I mean, that was around the years I graduated from high school and just, there was a lot of stories about, cops didn't beat people back then. Cops were like taking drugs that were confiscated from people. It was a whole different thing and nothing against cops or police departments or anything, but...
1: It's just interesting. And it's interesting that there's zero logs with regards to his trips up to New York and New Jersey. I don't know. That's very suspicious to me. My notes that I have for this is basically states that given the lack of information, it's honestly hard to decipher a motive. Though, if I were to take a stab in the dark, I would infer perhaps that it's either a crime of greed or a revenge killing. I think we can rule out the fact that the crime was sexually motivated.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: A whole host of outcomes could have occurred. But it would appear Bobby was definitely in the wrong place at the wrong time, like you guys said. If his timeline were more concise, we could better determine more about the circumstances of his demise. From what we are given, his final fare seems to have means and opportunity. But again, who knows where Bobby drove him or if other people were involved.
0: Or if that person even had anything to do with any of it. Exactly. I mean, there could be some guy... Sitting back going, oh, my gosh, I was the last person in his cab. But
1: wouldn't you think that person would come forward if they weren't involved? He would think it.
2: Just to clear themselves. Yeah. He would think it.
1: And for no one to, like, report another person missing. His family didn't even report them missing. The cab company reported him missing. But again, his cab was due back at 3, and he didn't return it by the morning. That would have been unusual. So they're like, okay, something's up. This is, no one's heard from him since 1145.
0: And he would have communicated though, if he was going like on one of his trips to like New York, New Jersey or something like that. He would have let them know he was doing that.
1: There would have been some sort of communication by morning. Yeah. What do we know
2: about Bobby's victimology? What factors contribute to Bobby being either a low or high risk victim? I think he's a high-risk victim. If he's a mule and he's a high-risk, I think. Yeah,
0: I totally agree with that. I think anybody that drives a cab...
2: (laughs) Would be a high-risk victim. Would be a high-risk
0: victim, yeah. Especially working the graveyard shift. Yes, Mm -hmm. yes. And especially with all the other things we know about him going to New York and New Jersey. And I think there's a lot of things that happen around cabbies that, you know, they're kind of like hairdressers. You know, they get... All this gossip, and they hear all these things about people. And even though Charleston was much bigger then, still a very small town, there may have been something he heard somebody talk about. Or there's a lot of different things that could have happened.
1: He definitely was not in the best side of town either. No, Uh,
0: being a cabbie, it was not a safe thing in West Virginia. That's for sure. Especially
1: five foot
2: and 110 pounds. He was so little.
1: Hi. Yeah, I I feel like he came into so many individuals on a daily basis. And he also had run-ins with the law mm-hmm. was on their radar. It would tell me he had a history of seedy behavior or seeding acquaintances.
0: Yeah. I wish we just had more information.
1: But there's not. And this was me pulling every bit of information I could find yeah. from everywhere. And nobody wants to talk about it. Even his family doesn't talk about it. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. I mean, I understand if there's more to the story you don't want to talk about, it, especially some random person messaging you over the internet. Like but All I get we're it. trying
0: to do is... Try to help solve this, you know?
1: Get some closure for his children or child. Yes. Because I thought I'd put it in here, but I guess I didn't. When they recovered the taxi cab, there were Christmas presents in the backseat. No. For his kids. Aww. Or not in the back seat in, in the, trunk. the trunk. That's so sad. So I don't, it definitely wasn't a suicide. I don't look for it to be somebody that was trying to run away from their life or their home.
0: Mm-mm. That's so sad. Mm-hmm.
1: He seemed to really care about his kids. You know, I scroll through a lot of comments and comment sections just to see if anybody knows them. And anybody, there's not very many people that comment on this. However, the few people that did said he was just a very kind soul, kind person. But yeah, his family doesn't really talk about it at all. They were
2: probably paid off to not talk about it. Or scared, yeah.
0: Well, you know, that's that could be true.
2: Obviously, there has been a lot of information withheld regarding this case. Do you give any clout to the possibility that he could be buried at this elementary school or stuffed in an old refrigerator at the dump? So do we know what elementary school this is? Nope.
0: And we don't know what dump. Was it like the Canola County? I would assume. Let me tell you something. I know that they are very hardcore about what you take to that dump. They are like way more strict than Raleigh counties. So I kind of would say no about the dump. That's kinda of been like a thing and that I've heard in West Virginia for years that Kanoa County's dump personnel are very stringent about what you take there and what you dump there. So
1: My notes said no, with capital letters. And the reason why we've been on this roller coaster before, the amount of lies and rumors that are circulated about where missing Uh. people can be found are staggering. Believe me, we all know that we have been told stories on other cases. And once Uh. you go down that rabbit hole, you realize that not everything you hear is relevant. And most of it is bullshit. It's just a matter of following up and breaking through the bullshit in order to eliminate and go on to the next thing. But no, I don't think he's buried either place. And personally, I do feel law enforcement would have followed up on both of those things at this point and has probably been like, nah.
2: Unless the elementary school was going through construction or something at the time. But if no one was to elementary school, then yeah, that would be state property, though. I
0: mean, you know, if we could find out what elementary school either, maybe in those years, there possibly could be a new one being built. I think that that was because the case. That's when a lot of consolidating of high schools and junior highs at that time to be middle schools, and there was a lot of elementary schools that were being built,
1: mm-hmm. like throughout the 90s. I remember. I do think one was being built that from what my memory is, it was that there was an elementary school that was in construction and construction. Somebody mentioned that they thought he was dumped there.
0: See, that was a good idea.
1: Let's discuss the vehicle. This is crucial
2: evidence. What can we deduce given the vehicle's state and what we know regarding the pooling of blood? So obviously with the pooling of blood, it wasn't a gunshot. Like maybe, I'm thinking it's like a stab, like a stabbing. Like maybe just one though, because if you pull it out, then it's going to go.
0: Well, like the pooling of blood pretty much means that Someone was in that area for a long enough amount of time, either a long enough amount of time for the blood to come out and pull in that area, or an artery was severed and bled quickly so that it pulled into that spot, right?
1: Yes. So, my takeaway from the cab was, and basically, the cab is the only evidence that we have with this crime that we know of. There is no spatter. There's no sign of a struggle. To me, it seems like the murder did not take place in the taxi, that he was probably attacked and placed in the back seat on the floorboard, either critically injured or dead. Where the blood just drained down mm-hmm. and pooled in one area. Yeah. And.
0: I would agree with that. Because even if somebody is cut with an artery, it's going to splatter at first.
1: There's no splatter in the vehicle. So,
0: yeah. If there's no splatter, then it didn't happen in the actual cab.
1: Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it would be gun or or a knife or anything. Because, one, we don't have a body. Well, and, we
0: don't have the original crime scene.
1: And we don't have the crime scene. Exactly. And he's such a little guy. So, I mean. My opinion is that I think he would have been taken by surprise with whatever happened. Well,
0: so my thing is that they did place him after they killed him, and they did place him in the
1: cab. Mm -hmm. Then what happened to him? Exactly. Okay. Were there any fingerprints lifted from the vehicle? Touch DNA, hairs, something that could have indicated who may have been in the vehicle at the time it was disposed. Because, look, if it was wiped, that would be ding, 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 sign of homicide to me right there because how many fingerprints are going to be in a taxi cab? True. They're going to be shit all over the place. Yeah. How many people get in and out of the vehicle? Thousands. But at least identifying fingerprints from the vehicle, if there were any, would be a starting point to determine who was in the cab.
0: But we don't know any of this. We don't know
1: any of this. This is just my brain. And then my other thought was, is I wonder if they ever followed up on credit card and cash logs. And I would be curious to know what his movements were in the days leading up to the crime and specifically a more concise timeline for that night. But yeah, if Bobby truly was the one that was killed, there's going to be fingerprints on that steering wheel because somebody had to dispose of the vehicle.
0: And we don't even know if the police still have evidence if it's been
1: tested i know the police had custody of the vehicle i don't know what happened to the vehicle after the fact you would hope that they would have it in the graveyard like they're, the they're graveyard impound. Thing. like they're we've impound. seen
0: we've seen cars in the impound before yeah and they go
1: through that shit very thoroughly
0: heart yeah
1: <laughs> but we have pictures of this cab that we'll put up on our facebook it's brutal and bloody and very sad do you guys have any other thoughts on it
0: I just want to find more information.
2: Yeah, it's really kind of suspicious because there's not that much information out there. Like, and I fly. Yeah, like for this long.
1: What I would be really interested in knowing is besides did they pull DNA? Have they done testing more recently other than just determining it was O-blood? I want to know what were his prior run-ins with the law about? Because I think that could tell you a lot right then and there. That would help us or help anybody figure out what it
0: might have to do with.
1: Exactly. That would get
0: us back to the means, motive, and opportunity.
1: Mm -hmm. Because really, it's hard to say who has those. The only reason I said maybe greed or revenge is because, okay, if it's greed, maybe it's something to do with drugs, somebody being greedy. Revenge, him knowing too much.
0: Hearing something he shouldn't have heard
1: wrong place wrong time yeah it has been 31 years since the disappearance of bobby
2: eugene adams and his case is still cold he would have been 61 years old if you or anyone you know has any information on the disappearance or murder of bobby eugene adams please contact the charleston police department at 304-348-6480 you are not required to give your name and are able to submit anonymously
0: bobby adams was five foot tall and weighed 110 pounds He was described to have had a medium complexion and was of African-American descent. He had black hair and brown eyes. Bobby was last witnessed wearing a blue windbreaker, tan dress pants, and black shoes. Since the time of Bobby's disappearance, CNH Taxi has made significant changes in order to ensure the safety of their drivers by updating the technology available in the vehicles. There are now cameras present as a means to ensure a similar situation does not ever happen again.
1: Join us next time when we discuss the 1950 homicide of the Morgan County Jane Doe, also known as the Redheaded Murder from Morgan County. Do you have a case that you are interested in having
0: us cover? Send us an email at coldcasecrew00 at gmail.com and let us know who you would like to hear about next.
2: What's your theory?